message has been coming has been coming uh, low and slow on simmer. <laughs> it's been like a stew that's just been simmering on the stove. And I've uh, I ended up uh, preparing for the women's conference, and then that didn't happen. And I just um, I looked at it from time to time because I thought it's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> But um, it was pretty cool because just this past week, like, and I had, I looked at it like about once a month or twice a month um, between February and now. And anyways, it's turned out um, just this past week, I pulled it out again and I was looking over it. <laughs> and then on Tuesday, Pastor Gary asked if I could, if I had a message ready that I could speak. And I said, oh, Yeah. <laughs> I am well prepared. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, first of all, tonight, uh, have you been doing what Pastor Gary spoke on? Have you been removing the distractions out of your life? Because when he spoke that word, that really resonated with what the Spirit of God was telling me on the inside, was just to start to remove the distractions. Because I found that I was just... Um, it was becoming a real temptation to put other things before the word and that. And I had to really kind of fight to prioritize that. The word was going to be first place just after I got up, you know, because you'd be thinking in your mind, I've got to do this, this, and this today. So anyways, we're going to start in prayer first. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you that you've given us the privilege of coming back into your house I thank you, Father, that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you that you'll anoint me as I bring forth this message today, that I'll bring it forth with clarity, the way that you want it to be spoken. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, the message that I am going to be speaking on today is on forgiveness. And I came out and I asked God when he kind of brought the word forgiveness to my mind. I, I thought, why forgiveness? I, I don't have a problem with forgiveness. <laughs> I know better. <laughs> I know that you do not... Hold unforgiveness in your heart. You always forgive quickly. As soon as you recognize that you have the chance to become offended, you forgive right away. <laughs> you know, you guard your heart. But um, there's reasons that uh, we are supposed to operate in forgiveness. It could be uh, offense is coming your way, strife, division, Manipulation, lies, hurt feelings, jealousy, and there's probably a hundred more reasons that you need to operate in forgiveness. <laughs> and so I realized that at work, <laughs> now I am going to be extremely honest here, at work I have pet peeves and... <laughs> And you could say, a.k.a. murmuring and complaining, you know, and you think, oh, 
She's a pastor's wife. She shouldn't be murmuring and complaining. <laughs> oh, yes, I do. I get lots of opportunity. <laughs> you know? And I found that when I was mentoring new people, this is what God magnified in my mind, was that when I, when I was mentoring people, I would be telling them, I'd say, um, always make sure to open up the garbage bag when you take the garbage out of the garbage can. You know, don't leave it with no garbage bag in it. I said, that is just such a pet peeve of mine. I said, because if you go to need the garbage can and there's no garbage bag and you're stuck with this dirty product and you're going, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And you have to set it down somewhere that it's not supposed to be because you can't put it in the garbage till you open up a garbage bag and then you're contaminating other places. And so anyways, there was things like that that I would tell them this is a pet peeve of mine. You know, you, you need to not do this because it makes it harder for your other workers that are coming after you if you don't do those little things, those tiny little, um, what do you call it, tasks that you're supposed to do. And so anyways, uh, this is what God was dealing with me about, was that I needed to stop saying, this is my pet peeve you know, when I'm training people, because then I was sowing strife and division into these people um, that were, I was training. So they would be coming on and they would be carrying that offense that I was holding against the other workers. <laughs> they would come on and they'd start thinking that way too. You know, so I had to change my perception and I started taking it from God's perspective. And I started telling them, it just makes your co-workers day so much easier if you can think ahead of ways that you can help them, like opening up that trash bag and putting it in the garbage, you know, or else making sure they have clean towels to work with when they start their shift. You know, there's nothing worse than going into a room and you have to run and get the supplies you need because it hasn't been stocked the night before. So I was telling them, you know, this it's so important to make the next shift and your co-workers' um, day so much better at work. And so anyways, that's the perspective that I started training these new people with that I was mentoring. And uh, so... Uh, when I was uh, dealing with this unforgiveness, because I was realizing I was having bad feelings against my coworkers <laughs> that weren't doing this, um, I read somewhere, I don't remember where I read it, concerning unforgiveness, but it said, if you say that you can't forgive yourself, realize, because sometimes we do something so bad and we think that we can't forgive ourselves, well, it says, uh, realize that God has forgiven you as soon as you ask for his forgiveness. You transgressed or sinned against his law, his commandments, against him. Therefore, you forgave, uh, uh, he forgave you. You don't need to forgive yourself because God forgave you. And that is what counts. Isn't that true? And when you think of it, you've got God inside you. 
So of course you can forgive yourself because God is love. God loves you and he, he has forgiven you. We just have to go to him and ask him to forgive us. And so First uh, John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Guilt and condemnation is when you sinned, but you don't think that God can forgive you because you were so bad. It is, and when you think of it, it is arrogant to think that God is not able to forgive you. Guilt re reveals a heart issue where you don't have a true revelation of God's love toward you. If you are born again, don't accept guilt and condemnation. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The Spirit of God will bring conviction that you need to make a change. So what you do is you just repent. Change your mind about something. Again, it'll lead you to do 1 John 1, 9, so that you... Uh, come back into right relationship with God. When you truly forgive, you don't bring it up to the person or use it as a weapon against them, you know. And it's terrible when you say, well, you did this and you did that, you know. That's not truly forgiving someone if you keep bringing it up. It says, you don't bring it up to others, you don't badmouth people to other people. You know, isn't that true? And then you don't obsess over it in your mind. You let it go. <laughs> that's right. And sometimes that's one of the hardest things is shutting your mind off to it. <laughs> the Holy Spirit reminds you of God's word to guide your decision making so you won't sin. Psalm 105 and uh, verse 130 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding unto the simple. The Holy Spirit will bring all things to your remembrance that you need at the time. And uh, in Mark 11, 25 and 26, it states, And when you stand praying, forgive if you have anything, this is Jesus speaking. He says, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive you your trespasses. Forgiveness of man has to happen so that we can receive forgiveness from God. Romans 12, verse 14, Paul told us to bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. And he repeated it twice, to bless them and not curse them. So he was stressing importance on that. Now I have a comical story about uh, forgiveness. <laughs> and anyways, it has to do with Paul. I love you. <laughs> goodness, yes. Pastor Gary's going to love this. I'm telling stories out of school. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> 
Paul has somehow decided that it is my job in life to refill the toilet paper roll holder when it goes empty. <laughs> Does this sound familiar? I, I don't know. I don't know how I got delegated the, <laughs> the task of always <laughs> refilling the toilet paper roll holder. <laughs> you use it too. <laughs> My goodness. So I went and I, I finally had the chance. I came down because it never seemed like I ever got to the end of the world. It always seemed like the, the toilet paper had one strand of toilet paper on it. <laughs> when I'd go in to use the washroom and I'd go, really? Again? <laughs> so anyways, I came out and I uh, thought, I'm going to get him because this last time, I left one piece of toilet paper on the roll hanging. <laughs> and I thought, this is great. I'm going to leave it. He'll have to refill it. <laughs> well, I came in the bathroom the next morning. Guess what? <laughs> he got a toilet paper roll. He opened it, and he set it on the back of the tank. <laughs> God. So I had to exercise. <laughs> Luke 17 verses 3 and 4. When the Jesus when Jesus disciples asked him, "How many times do we have to forgive someone?" And he said, "70 times 7." <laughs> Paul says, "Just be a doer." <laughs> boy. Oh boy. Glory to God. It's good that you're good in so many other areas. <laughs> yes, you have to pick your battles. <laughs> I stand up for toilet paper in Jesus' name. <laughs> it shall be filled. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> forgiveness. When I think of forgiveness, I think of let for, F-O-R-E, Forgiveness go before you. That is the way that I think of forgiveness. I prepare myself before I go into a room. Uh, I heard Kenneth Copeland say this. Prepare yourself before you enter a room, before you start your day. Father, I choose to forgive people. Now, before anything happens, I choose to forgive them. Yeah, so that way then you walk in and your mind goes there if you have the opportunity that presents itself. Now, I read a passage in the Bible, and uh, this, this chapter just stuck with me, and I couldn't get it out of my mind. It was Genesis 27, and I really believe that parents need, God put this chapter in the Bible so that parents could learn uh, how to raise their children. It gives a lesson about deception, favoritism, and forgiveness concerning their children. It's the story of Rebecca and Isaac and their twin sons, Esau and Jacob. 
And at first I was just going to give a little synopsis of what this chapter is about. But then I thought about it. I've, I've got um, um, friends that are watching tonight. So for those that have never read the story, I'm going, I, uh, I'm going to read Genesis 27. And this, I'm using the, in, the Inspirational Study Bible by Max Lucado because it took the these and the thous out of there and it made it kind of in plain everyday English. So it was very easy to understand and it reads like a story. So this will not be long, but just listen because it's going to give you the whole, the whole picture of everything that was going on in these people's lives at this time. It says, now it came to pass when Isaac was old. The Dakes Bible says that he was around 138 years old at this time. And his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau, his older son, the older twin, and said to him, my son. And he answered him, here I am. And keep in mind that at this point, Esau and Jacob were around 40 years old. Uh, you would read that in chapter 26. You'd find that. Now, he answered him, here I am. Then he said, behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver, your bows, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And make me savory food, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kid of, kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father." such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man and I am smooth skinned. Perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise. Uh, Sit and eat my, of my game, that your soul may bless me. 
But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. So he lied to his father. Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice. The hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, but his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Then he said, are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. So he lied a second time. He said, bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So they had a covenant meal together to confirm the word. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him. So uh, even though the father was blind, he still had his doubts, and he was trying to think, is this really Esau or not? So he was giving him all these little tests. And so uh, when he smelled like his son Esau, he blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly. Why did he tremble exceedingly? He trembled exceedingly because of, of Romans 11.29. I'm going to read that to you. Romans 11.29. For the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. That is why his father was trembling because he knew he could not undo the words of blessing that he had just spoken over him. So Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him. And indeed, he shall be blessed. It was sealed with a covenant meal. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me also, oh, my father. But he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he had supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? 
Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master, and all his brethren I have given him to him as servants. With grain and wine I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from off your neck. So Esau hated Jacob. Look at what these lies and this deceit did. Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to my brother Laban and Haran, and stay with him a few days. That few days, it says in the Dake's Bible, turned out to be 20 years. A few days cost 20 years out of their lives. She says, until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. She didn't accept any of the blame, and it was all her idea. I just, like, I still get goosebumps when I see that, and I think, she's placing the blame on her son, and it was her idea. So anyways, um, she says, until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him, then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved, or another word would be deprived also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padam Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. So the wife, so manipulative, then she goes to her husband and she makes it sound like it's his idea. We should send him off to my brother so that he can get a wife from over there. So she's accomplishing. She's getting him out of the house, away from Esau. And then she's making her husband think that it's his idea. I was going, 
oh my gosh, I, I just could not believe this lady in this story when I was reading this. I was going, oh my gosh. And so um, it continues, may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger which God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. So that's where we're going to end. But I, I wanted to bring a couple of things out. First of all, number one, Rebekah devised a plan to deceive her husband and then convinced her favored younger son, Jacob to participate in it. And at first, Jacob didn't even want to have any part of it. He said, no. He said, I'll get in trouble for it. And she, and she convinced him. She said, no, you obey me. You know. And then Rebecca sowed deception into her marriage again by making Isaac think that it was her idea. So that's twice she deceived her husband and then she was deceiving her son, too, like she was betraying her firstborn son, too. You know, and it's all for this um, favoritism. And I think favoritism when you're raising children up is so terrible to them. Yes, yeah. Um, I grew up in a household where there was favoritism. And it was terrible. Like, that marked me for life, you know? So anyways, well... Up till, like, I've just become free from it. Like, basically, I guess the past 10 years or so, you know, but it, it really, it can really mess a child up when you show that you love one child more than the other. You know, it's, it's horrible to do that to your children. And so uh, I wanted to point out, too, that uh, Rebecca... She lost both her sons in that one day because she, she came out and she says, why should I lose uh, both sons in one day? But she actually did that because I'm sure that Esau was pretty ticked off at his mother for being in on that plot. So it drove strife and division in that whole family. It destroyed that family, you know, and it totally separated them. So um, I wanted to touch on Genesis 26, 34, 34 and 35 also, because it says, um, it tells us, and Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Beeri the Hittite, and Bashmeth, the daughter of Elon the Hittite. Now, in the Dakes Bible, it says that these... No, in uh, Genesis 28, 8, it says that these were the daughters of Canaan. So this is why they were so um, of grief of mind. They brought grief of mind <laughs> unto Isaac and Rebekah. It, uh, it said, grief of mind means bitterness of spirit. The Targums say that they quarreled with Isaac and Rebekah and rebelled against their religious instructions. So that's what, um, why they didn't want them marrying any more Canaanite women. 
So I was uh, really kind of judgmental of, uh, of uh, Rebecca because I was going, oh, she was so manipulative in that. And uh, anyways, but you think of it, when, you, when you're kind of looking and considering other people and judging, making judgments on them, remember that the Bible says in uh, Matthew 7, 1 and 2, judge not that you be not judged. For with what measure you meet, it shall be measured back unto you. you know? And so I was praying for insight. I was going to say insult. <laughs> I was praying for insight into this scripture on how this was relevant to me, because this scripture just kept, um, it, it stuck with me, and I couldn't get rid of it. So I thought, okay, God, you must be trying to tell me something here. And I think I have a pretty thick skull because it usually seems to have to simmer for a couple of days before, <laughs> before I seem to get an answer. So I was getting into bed the one night, and anyways, uh, God revealed to me that I had been doing the same thing at work when I was manipulating the people I was mentoring. And he said, you brought, you were speaking words to them and bringing strife into the workplace by planting those seeds of discord <laughs> in, in those new people's minds and that, he said. And what that, what your words are, he said, is that they're spiritual, so they carry over. What you're speaking over in one area of life it's going to affect another area of life. And so um, I realized that I had, um, where, I said some of this already. Uh, I ended up realizing that because I'd been sowing discord and uh, division in the workplace by my words that it had carried on over into my home because when um, my daughter left I thought oh my gosh what happened where'd that come from and and I could not understand what had happened and anyways like um, you guys can think what you want but the spirit of God just told me he said that is the root of where that came from, was because roots travel underground, and they spread out, and they affect every area of your life. So I just wanted to warn you guys, you know, um, when you get into murmuring and complaining and agreeing with people that are murmuring and complaining, that those words that you're sowing, they'll affect those other areas of your life. You know, and so I was thinking, I don't want to have to have restoration happen 20 years down the road. I refuse to have it happen 20 years down the road, you know. So anyways, you know, what did I do? I, I found scriptures for uh, reconciliation. I'm speaking words of reconciliation and restoration over the family for healing, you know. And I'm declaring the end from the beginning. 
<laughs> you know? So that's what you do. You do not give in to what you see. What you see may be nothing for glory to God. <laughs> God's word does not return void. It accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent. We know the end from the beginning. We can prophesy <laughs> that word, you know? So I wanted to speak um, Proverbs 14.1. It's another verse that talks about the words of our mouths. Listen to this. Every wise woman builds her house, but the foolish one plucks it down with her hands or by her own doing. So now that I've seen how I've been manipulating others, I've stopped. And I'll tell you, anytime that people at work start complaining and murmuring and, and gossiping, um, I know it was right on the edge of my tongue the other day. They were starting to gossip about someone, and I knew something, and I thought, no, I am not feeding into that. I am not being a part of that. You have to guard your heart and guard your lips, <laughs> you know, and you, your lips will burn. You want to you be part of the party, but don't because it's poison. You know, so um, there's also some more verses for, for forgiveness. I'll share with you Luke 17, 3 and 4. I already said, Jesus said, take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespass against you, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against you seven times in a day, seven times in a day, turn again to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. He said, not if you feel like it, you know, not if you think he begged you enough. No, it said you shall forgive him. He commanded that. Matthew 18, 15 to 17. Moreover, if your brother shall trespass against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he shall hear you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, then take with you one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. And if he neglect to hear them, go tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be to you as an heathen man. And I read somewhere that in brackets, it says, pray and take authority in the spirit over him. If for praying for a heathen man. And then uh, Jesus said also, and a publican. For a publican, in brackets, love them into the kingdom. That's what our response is supposed to be. Heaven backs our prayers. So what are you saying? Matthew 18, 18 to 20. What are people agreeing with you about? Jesus said, what, uh, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And Jesus said that we are to forgive from our hearts. So likewise, shall my Father do also unto you, if from your hearts uh, forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. And then Matthew 6, 14, 15, 
For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. It is important to be willing to forgive. So... Uh, what I do if I'm trying to forgive someone and I keep feeling like I didn't forgive them, excuse me, I'll write it down on a piece of paper, I'll say, and I'll date it and put the time. I'll say, Father, on this day, I surely chose or choose to forgive the person's name, write the person's name, and then any time that I'm thinking those horrible thoughts about them, <laughs> and how I don't like them, and what they did, <laughs> then I'll go, and I'll think, no, I forgave them. I shouldn't be thinking those thoughts, and I'll go to my Bible, and I'll pull that piece of paper out, and I'll say, no, devil, on such and such a day, at that time, I forgave. I don't care what I feel like. I chose to forgive them. It's done. You know, so you shut the devil up that way. And then uh, also... I wanted to just let you know that um, if you're, if you were, um, if you never asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, that you can ask God to forgive you of your sins and to um, come into your heart, and He will. It's that easy. That's all you have to do. Lord Jesus, come into my heart, and He'll come in. He'll throw those sins out. He'll get rid of them, and he'll live in your heart, you know. And then, then you'll find when you go to try and forgive people, it'll be that easy because you'll have the love of God abiding in your heart. And also, if you have sickness, Paul touched on this, you have sickness in your body. If any person, if you're holding unforgiveness, get rid of it because that'll keep you sick if you hold on to that unforgiveness. So that's what I wanted you to take away from this message, was just to beware and to, um, to make sure and guard your heart against manipulation and uh, all that stuff, all that ugly stuff. And uh, Philippians 4, 9, uh, 4 to 9 talks about whatsoever things are lovely, pure, just of a good report. Think on these things. When you're thinking ugly thoughts, choose, catch yourself and choose to forgive that person and then start choosing to think on them with good thoughts. Well, what have they done for you that was nice? You know, they had to have done something good and <laughs> that you've seen. So think on those things and pray over them because once you start praying over them, you're going to find that you'll have... Um, uh, a different perspective of them because you'll start seeing them through God's eyes and it'll be much easier to, to tolerate them. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.